We will be considering Baptist Catechism 107. What does the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us? Remember, we have been considering the means of grace. The fourth means of grace mentioned by our Catechism is prayer. And our Catechism concludes with an extended uh, teaching on prayer. And so now we are asking, what does the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us as we pay attention to this prayer that Christ taught His disciples to pray, this Lord's Prayer? The preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is, Our Father, which art in heaven, teacheth us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence, as children to a father, able and ready to help us, and that we should pray with and for others. What a wonderful answer to this question. We will read now from Romans 8, 12 through 17. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Rome, says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. This now the reading of God's holy word. May He add His blessing to the teaching of it this afternoon. You know, I was looking over our confession of faith and came especially to to chapter 12 of our confession. If you're reading the confession in a full-page format, it really stands out. Because it is so brief, and I I have here in mind especially the way that our confession of faith is displayed on our website. It's displayed very nicely there. But it's all there, you know, in, in in one page. And chapter 12 really stands out because it is so brief. It's by far the shortest chapter in our confession, being only one paragraph long. And what is chapter 12 about? The title is Of Adoption. This chapter is situated right in the middle of those chapters which speak of those things which God alone does for His elect in salvation. In chapter 10, we learn that God effectually calls His elect to Himself. In chapter 11, we learn that God justifies His elect the moment they believe. And in chapter 13, we learn that God sanctifies His elect, making them more and more into the likeness of Christ. Chapter 12 is situated right in the middle of all of that. There we learn that God adopts the elect as His own. And there is something very tender and warm about this teaching. The doctrines of effectual calling, justification, and sanctification are vitally important. But so too is the doctrine of adoption. And I found that it is often neglected. I think it is a shame that it's neglected because the doctrine of adoption really gets to the heart of the benefit of our redemption in Christ Jesus, namely reconciliation with God the Father through faith in the Son by the working of the Spirit. Because of sin, we are by nature children of wrath, the Scriptures say. 
But through faith in Christ, we are adopted as beloved children of God. And I think it is important for us to meditate upon that fact. When we come to faith in Christ, when God calls us by His Word and Spirit, we are justified, declared not guilty. That is so very important. But it is this justification, this being declared not guilty before God, that enables us to receive something more, namely adoption. The doctrine of justification, it is... It is a forensic doctrine. We are to picture a courtroom, a judge pounding the cavil down upon uh, the desk saying, Not guilty, but we are not left in the courtroom, brothers and sisters. We are received instead into the household of God. We are brought into the dining room, as it were, the living room, and welcomed as beloved children of God. That is what the doctrine of adoption is all about. And I think it is important for us to meditate upon this simple but warm and important doctrine, is this not the highest blessing of our salvation? Not only have we been cleansed, not only have we been pardoned and declared not guilty, we have also been reconciled to God and adopted as His sons and daughters through Christ the Son, so that we might call God Abba, Father. I'd like to read chapter 12 of our confession to you. It says, All those that are justified, God vouchsafed in and for the sake of His only Son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number, and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have His name put on them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, and are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by Him, as by a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption, and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. Isn't that a wonderful statement? We're to meditate upon God's Word, brothers and sisters. You've already been exhorted to do that. May I encourage you also to meditate upon our confession of faith from time to time? It is a faithful summary of the teaching of Holy Scripture, I think you could see that to come to chapter 12 of our confession and to read it and to meditate upon every line in it would be of great benefit to your soul. What a wonderful blessing that is communicated here. How comforting, how warm. So what does this have to do with the preface to the Lord's Prayer in Baptist Catechism 107? Well, I think you can see the preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is our Father, which art in heaven teaches us, my words now, to pray to God according to the reality of our adoption in Christ Jesus. Those who have faith in Christ do not pray to God merely as Creator, nor as Lord, or Savior, or Provider. He is all of those things to us, and I think it is just fine for us to address Him in that way and to come to Him being mindful of the fact that He is our Creator, our Lord, our Savior, and our Provider. Don't misunderstand me. But here I am wanting to emphasize that Christians are invited to pray to God Almighty as Father. And this is possible only because they have been effectually called, justified, and adopted. This brings up a very important observation. Not everyone may regard God as Father. Liberal theologians like to talk about the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. By this they mean to say that all have God as Father and all are therefore brothers. There is a bit of truth in this, right? 
If by Father we mean Creator or Source, then it is true. God is the Father of all, and we human beings being made in the image of God are brothers and sisters in this sense. But that is not how the term is used in the Scriptures. When Christ taught His disciples to pray, Our Father in Heaven, He invited them to pray to God as the one who had redeemed them from sin, from Satan and death unto adoption. The Scriptures are so very clear that we do not have God as our beloved Father by birth, but we are by nature children of wrath. See Ephesians 2, 3. Jesus Himself spoke to those who persisted in unbelief, saying, If God were your Father, you would love Me, for I came from God and am here. You are of your Father the devil, and your will is to do your Father's desires. These are the words of Jesus. And this is how He spoke to those who persisted in unbelief. He explicitly denies that they have God as Father. And in fact, He goes further to insist that they do have another Father, that is, the devil. And this is our natural condition ever since Adam, our federal head, fell into sin and broke the covenant of works that God made with him. So no, we are not by nature children of God. By nature and in sin we are His enemies. But by His grace, by His special and saving grace, He has washed us in the blood of Christ and adopted us as His own through the Spirit-wrought union with His beloved Son. All of this is received by faith. The words, Our Father in Heaven, which begin the Lord's Prayer, are to remind us of all that. And being reminded of all that, We are then enabled to draw near to God. That is what our catechism says next. In prayer, we are to draw near to God. We are invited to pray to God, not as God Almighty or Lord, and of course He is God Almighty and Lord to us too, but as Father. So we are to think about that. We are invited to come near to Him and to know for certain that He loves us and cares for us as His beloved children. And this is owed to His eternal decree and the accomplishment of our redemption by Christ the Son. This catechism question is very helpful in teaching us how we are to draw near to the Father. We are to draw near, the catechism says now, with all holy reverence. To revere God is to fear and respect Him. So yes, God is our Father, but He is no ordinary Father. He is our Heavenly Father. He is God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. He is Yahweh, the self-existent, eternal and unchanging One. He is our Father, but this does not mean that we should approach Him carelessly and certainly not irreverently. We are to draw near with holy reverence. Next, notice the words, with confidence. We may come boldly before the throne of grace because God is our Father. We may approach the Father, and we do so not by our own merits, but according to the merits of Christ. By the way, this is what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It is not that we must add Jesus' name to the end of all of our prayers, but rather we must approach the Father through the Son. In Jesus' name, we must approach the Father through the Son, being found in Him by faith. We are to come to the Father, our catechism now says, as children to a father. Now those who have had evil fathers, or absent fathers, in this world, might find it a little more difficult to know what this means, but it is certainly possible to learn what it means. I think that all, who, uh, all, that all know what a father should be, And we understand that even the best of earthly fathers fall short of the perfection that is our Heavenly Father. 
This is analogical language that is being used here. When we think of God as Father, we must, we must strip away everything creaturely and every imperfection found in earthly fathers and know that through faith in Christ, God is our heavenly Father and He is a perfect Father, filled with love for His children. Perfect love is what He possesses. In Christ, we are to come to God as children to a Father, knowing that He is able and ready to help us. So this is what we must have in our minds. We must know that our Heavenly Father is able and ready to help us. He is able to help us, for He is God Almighty. Nothing is too hard for Him. And He is ready because He is willing. He has set His love upon us. Just think of that for a moment. You have not earned the love of God the Father. God the Father has set His love upon you. He has willed to love you. He has decreed to love you in Christ Jesus. He has set His love upon us. He has promised to finish the work that He has begun in us and to keep us faithful to the end. To come to the Father knowing that He is able and ready to help us requires faith. We must pray believing that the Word of God is true in what it says concerning God's unconditional love for His children. Lastly, our catechism adds these words, and that we should pray with and for others. So where does this insight come from? It comes from the plural pronoun, our, found at the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Christ taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven, not my Father in heaven. And this will certainly help us not only in corporate prayer, but also in private prayer too. For even when we pray in private, we are to pray being mindful of others. And so Christ taught us to pray, not my Father in heaven. I'm not saying it's inappropriate to say that. Uh, but He taught us to pray our Father in heaven. We are to pray with and we are to pray for others. So then the preface of the Lord's Prayer helps us to remember who it is that we pray to. It reminds us that we are praying to our God, who has shown great mercy to us. Though we are by nature rebel sinners, He determined to set His favor upon us. He worked our salvation through Jesus Christ. He has applied this salvation to us by His Word and Spirit when He called us to Himself. And the end result is that we have been adopted as beloved children of God. The words, Our Father in Heaven, are to remind us of all of this and more. And so these words are of great help to us as we enter into prayer. As you probably know, the petitions of the Lord's Prayer are not intended to be simply recited. Rather, they are meant to be expanded upon. They, in, they introduce themes to us. And these themes are meant to prompt us to pray for many things that fall under those themes. And we will come to the petitions of the Lord's Prayer in weeks to come and, and learn more about them. But I think something similar can be said of the preface to the Lord's Prayer. The words, Our Father in Heaven, may be greatly expanded upon. How so? Well, thanksgiving and praise are to be constant elements of prayer. And so when you say, Our Father in Heaven, may it prompt you to think upon our great God in Heaven, of the mercy He has shown to us, of His love and constant care, and to give us, and to give Him, rather, thanks and praise. We're to pray with thanksgiving, 
Well, where in the Lord's Prayer should we give thanks and praise to God? I would say that the most fitting place to do it, it could be done throughout all of these petitions, of course. But I think the most fitting place to do it is under the heading, Our Father in Heaven, and also, Hallowed be Thy Name. We are to give glory to God the Father, aren't we? We're to give thanks to Him. We're to enter into His presence through prayer with gratitude in our hearts. Thank Him and praise Him for His perfections and goodness. Thank Him and praise Him for Christ, our salvation in Him, and the benefits of our redemption, justification, adoption, sanctification, and the many blessings that flow from these. The words, Our Father in Heaven, ought to warm our hearts as we enter into prayer. The words, Our Father in Heaven, ought to move us to gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise. Pray then like this, Christ said, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And what does the preface to the Lord's Prayer teach us? The preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is our Father, which art in heaven, teacheth us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a Father, able and ready to help us, and that we should pray with and for others. Let's bow together for a prayer. Father in heaven, do help us to pray well. I pray, O God, that as we enter into prayer and I do pray also that we would enter into prayer regularly. As we do, O Lord, I I ask that you would help us to be mindful of who you are. God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, the one who is worthy to receive all praise. And yet, O Lord, you are a merciful and gracious God. Though we have rebelled against you, you have shown us kindness to reconcile us to yourself through Christ the Son. O Lord, help us to praise You. Help us to live a life of gratitude before You. Help us to love You, to adore You, to trust You, that You do indeed care for us as Your children, O Lord. Make us mindful of these things always, but especially as we enter into prayer, so that we might pray well, as children to a Father, assured of His love for them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.